Amen. I love uh, that song, and uh, that's what we've come here to do today, is to worship our Lord and bless His holy name. Well, listen, it is good to see you here at Union Grove uh, today. If you're excited to be at church, say amen. And uh, I tell you, I'm, I'm grateful that you are here and uh, great uh, attendance. And uh, I'm thankful. I was thinking about this this morning. Last weekend, uh, last Sunday, we all gathered, got up really early to celebrate the resurrection. I was thinking this morning, hey, that, that tomb is still empty today. And uh, that's something we get to celebrate each and every Sunday. And uh, so it's not just once a year. That's something that we look forward to and can, uh, can celebrate each and every, uh, every week. And uh, so I'm glad that you are here uh, today. I do want to recognize and uh, reiterate what Pastor Bailey said. If this is your first time, thank you for being here. And uh, we appreciate uh, you being here. One of the things that we are passionate about as much as anything else is connecting uh, with people for the very first time. And so if you slipped in maybe the first time ever at our church or the first time in a long time, uh, make sure that you fill out one of those new here cards, not just so that we can have your information and kind of hound you or anything like that. We just want to connect with you, and we want to get a free gift in your hands as our way of saying thank you for being a part uh, of the service uh, here today. And then if you've been attending for a while, we have not done a starting point in several months. And so if you have been attending here for quite some time, Many of you have been coming for several months and uh, each and every week, and you kind of are curious about what it's going to take to become a member here, or you possibly want to call Union Grove your church home. Uh, we would love to invite you to Starting Point, and uh, that's an exciting time uh, that we have to connect with new people. It's your on-ramp for uh, membership uh, here in our church, and so if you're interested in joining uh, this community, uh, we would love to invite you. That's going to take place on Sunday the 30th of this month at 5.30, and uh, dinner's provided, and so that's usually why people come to that. Just kidding. That's just a, a thing, but we'd love to feed you a meal, uh, talk a little bit about our church and how uh, you can connect uh, better within our church, and you can sign up for that uh, online. Well, if you have your Bible, go to Psalm chapter number 23. Uh, while you're turning, I want to invite you as well to um, uh, this Wednesday night, uh, we have a spaghetti dinner, uh, and you say, why is that, and what is that benefiting? Is that just to feed us? Well, that's a part of it, uh, but this is to benefit all of the kids in our church who are going to camp uh, this summer. Uh, camp is a big thing here in our ministry. We send kids to uh, junior camp and students to student camp each and every summer. Uh, this year for our kids' camp, we have... Uh, I believe, close to 25 kids going, which is amazing. Uh, that's more than last year, and uh, we are super excited about summer camp for our kids and our students. This Wednesday night, we are going to have a meal, a spaghetti dinner down in our cafeteria before the evening services, and uh, the money's going to go uh, straight to our kids' camp. So I want you to come and uh, give them some money. They're going to serve you. All the kids and their families are going to help you and serve you on Wednesday night. So plan on, if you can, to be here and, uh, and come uh, donate some money to them so that they can help pay for camp. One thing, because I was a student pastor, one thing uh, many years before this, but uh, camp's gotten so excited 
expensive. And uh, like everything else has gotten expensive, camp is the same way. It's a lot of money to send kids to go to camp. And so families are, are sending some of them one, two kids in the summer, and sometimes it's like $350, $400 to get to camp. And, uh, and I want to, as a church, let's come around that. Let's don't let money be the reason kids aren't going to camp this summer, and let's try to help them out just a little bit. And so if you can be here Wednesday night, uh, we would greatly uh, appreciate uh, your uh, your support. Uh, Psalm chapter number 23, and uh, it's been a while since we've been in our Psalm series. I probably could have just said we're starting a new series, and none of you would have even caught that or understood that. And uh, But we started a series about a month and a half ago entitled Encountering God, and this is just a study through some of the most impactful uh, Psalms uh, from the book of Psalms. And uh, we started this, and we did like three weeks in the series, and then we broke out of this series for a few weeks and did um, a series on vision, talked about where we're headed as a ministry and as a church, and uh, then last week was Easter, and so today uh, we are picking um, our series back up entitled Encountering God. You see, the Psalms is a book of songs. They are written uh, to be sung as praises to our God, like we were singing even this this morning. And the Psalms speak directly to some of the most practical questions that we face in the Christian life. So we've looked at questions about how do we be happy and how do we enter in the presence of God and things like that. And today's question is simply this, is Jesus enough? In other words, is a relationship with Jesus enough for for me. Well, in Psalm chapter number 23, we find, I mean, listen, this is the most familiar psalm that there is, okay? So if you've been in a church for any length of time, even if you are brand spanking new to church, uh, Psalm chapter number 23, you can probably quote this um, because it's pretty. It's read at funerals. Uh, it's read all of the time. It's the most familiar psalm, I believe, that there there is. But in Psalm 23, uh, David uh, talks about this question and answers this question, is Jesus enough for us? Is Jesus enough? Is a relationship with Jesus enough? Here in verse number one, he answers that question, the Lord, by the saying this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In fact, let's say that one verse together, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. In other words, here's what, what David is saying. I want you to really understand this, and I recognize anytime we come to a familiar passage of Scripture, it's easy to kind of just zone out a little bit, kind of doze off, kind of get an early start to your Sunday afternoon nap here in the next few minutes. And I want you to look and recognize that God uh, wants to give you a fresh perspective about Psalm 23. And that's my intent here today. So I don't want you to look at this and be like, oh, I know everything there is to know about Psalm 23. And so I don't need this today. It's not for me. I really think that God can give us something fresh here today. But what David is saying here in Psalm 23, verse 1, is this, that in the shepherd, in the shepherd, that is, in a relationship with the shepherd, I do not lack anything. What he's trying to say when he says, I shall not want, he's talking about, I don't lack anything. That in a relationship with the shepherd, I have everything that I 
that I need. The word want can be translated lack. And he's saying that in him I have everything that I need in, in, in life. Now, uh, I know that for us in our culture, uh, that's a pretty big statement. Jesus is everything that we need, and in him we lack nothing. The reason why that's difficult for our culture to understand is because we live in a very greedy, discontent culture, don't we? We live in a very greedy, discontent culture. In other words, we can't be content for anything, right? God blesses you with a car, and what happens? You need a new car. God blesses you with a nice house, and what happens? You, you need a, a new house. God blesses you with, with whatever, fill in the blank, and we always feel that we need something more. We're always wanting something more, and it is difficult for us to become content. God blesses you with a good job, and you need another job. God blesses you with a position, and you need more than that, or you need to move up, or God blesses you with fame, and that is not enough. You see, in our culture, it is difficult for us to ever become content, to become content. And here's what David is saying here in Psalm 23. He's saying that in the shepherd, in a relationship with Jesus, I'm content because in him I have everything that I, that I need. I have everything that I, I need. He's going to go on here, and as we dissect this passage, he's going to say that I have everything that I need, even in the good and the bad. Sometimes it's easy for us to, to think, yeah, I got everything that I need when life is good. When everything's fine, everything's good, you're standing on the mountaintop, then it's easy to say, yes, praise God, bless his holy name, I have everything that I need in him. But David actually is going to go on and say, I have everything that I need in the shepherd when I'm standing on the mountaintop, but when I walk through the valley, I also, even in the valley and even in the face of my enemies, I have everything that I need. I want you to understand that David wrote this at a difficult time in his life. In fact, David's life was not easy. You know, it's easy for us to look at his life and think, what? He was an anointed king. He was a warrior, right? He was one of the, the greatest, the, the greatest king that Israel had ever seen. But on the same token to all of that, he was a murderer, right? He was an adulterer. But yet, in the middle of all that, he was a man after God's own heart. He went through life where he was hunted. His life, literally, he was scared because Saul was trying to kill him. So, so think about that, that in the midst of all of that, in the midst of, yes, he was an anointed king. Yes, he was a shepherd boy. Yes, he was the greatest king that Israel had ever seen. Yes, he was a man after God's own heart. But also, yes, he was hunted for his very life, hiding out in caves, hoping that Saul wouldn't find him and kill him. He was also an adulterer, and he was also a murderer. And he said, in the middle of all of that, Whatever season he was in, whatever part of life, whatever life threw at him, he says, in the shepherd, I have everything that I need. My question to you today is, do you understand today that in Jesus you have everything that you need? 
You have everything that we need. In the shepherd, we have all that we need. We lack nothing. You say, how does he provide everything that we need? Just a few things from Psalm 23 here today. First, here's what the shepherd does for your life. The shepherd fills your soul. The shepherd fills your, your soul. If you look at verse 2 of our text, so he says, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, now we know that the shepherd provides peace, and that's really what the waters and what the green pastures is, is signifying. But I want you to understand something. I think there's a greater thought here behind this. What do sheep usually do in green pastures? They eat, right? They eat. So if you put a, a, a herd of sheep, whatever, I'm not really an outdoorsman, so I'm assuming they're called a herd, right? And so you put a bunch of sheep out in a field, and uh, these sheep are going to eat. They are going to eat, okay? That's what they do. In fact, my parents, they have um, next to them, they live on a, a big parcel of land, and uh, next to them, these people that moved in several years ago, um, they, uh, they have a bunch of sheep in their backyard, in their field in the backyard. So we rode the golf cart this week when I was uh, spending some time with my family. We rode by them, and all the sheep are out in the middle of this field, and they are eating. You see, that's what sheep do when they are in a green pasture. They are going to, to eat. And, and so here he says that, that the father, the shepherd, he makes us to lie down in green pastures. Now, thinking about the sheep and a green pasture and then them eating, the only reason you would find a sheep lying down in a green pasture is because they are completely full. They are completely full. So what, in essence, David is saying here when he says he maketh, the shepherd makes us to lie down in green pastures, he's saying that in a relationship with the shepherd, we are completely full, that we don't need anything else, and we can lay down in the green pasture because we are entirely full, right? One of my favorite foods uh, is going to a Japanese steakhouse. How many of you love Japanese food? Okay, right, right on. You are my people, okay? I love it. And so every year for my birthday, a lot of times we'll get together and we'll go sit down at a Japanese steakhouse where they like cook it in front of you and things like that. I have a hibachi grill at my house, and I try to do that, and it never works out as good as they do at the restaurant. But I'll tell you this, when I go to those places, it's a ton of food, right? They give you a ton of food. And when you leave there, you are completely full and completely satisfied to where afterwards, most people when they're leaving those places are like, now we really need a good nap. We need to go lay down after this because we are completely satisfied and we are completely full. What David is saying about a relationship with Jesus is that once you go all in on your relationship with Jesus, in him... He fills your soul up. He fills it up to the point where you don't need anything else. You are completely satisfied in him. Same thing, verse 2, when he says, He also leads us beside the still waters. When you think of sheep, when they go beside water, they're going to be drinking. That's what sheep do beside the still waters. What David is suggesting is that the shepherd quenches the thirst of the sheep. 
You see, he quenches the thirst of the sheep. And so when he says that he leads the sheep, he leads you and I beside the still waters, what he's saying is you are completely full, you are completely satisfied, and you do not thirst anymore. You see, Jesus, the shepherd, he fills your soul. Some of you in here today are looking for everything else to fill your soul up. Some of you are searching for it. You're searching for it, and you might say that if I could just get a new job, then my soul will be full. If I could just be recognized over here, then my soul would be full. If I can get just a little bit more money, then my soul will be full. If we can just get this new vehicle or this new house, then my soul will be full. And what David is reminding us here in this psalm is this, is that it's not found, fullness is not found in all the material things that this life has to offer you. Fullness is only found in a relationship with the Savior, a relationship with the shepherd. And once you have a relationship with the shepherd, your soul can be full. It can be full. The second thing we see is not only does the shepherd fill our soul, the shepherd restores our soul. Verse 3, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The word restore in English means to repair, or we, we say to fix something. In other words, you could restore an old house, right? Or you can restore an old, old car. But the Hebrew word actually means to res- return or to bring back. The Hebrew connotation for this word um, restore is actually meaning to repent. It's like you're going one direction and he will take you in another direction. So David is saying that when he talks about restoring his soul, remember David experienced some difficulties. David experienced some weak moments in his life. Weak moments to the point where he committed adultery. Weak moments where he became a murderer and he lied about it, tried to cover it up. You know, that guy, that's the one that's writing this, okay? That guy said that the shepherd restores our soul. He restores our soul. In other words, he gives us the ability to get up and keep moving in the right way direction. He restores you. He repairs you. He puts your broken life back together. That's what he's saying when he says restore our soul. Uh, Philip Keller, he wrote a book uh, on Psalm 23, and the interesting thing about the book is this, is that Philip Keller actually had sheep, and so he wrote it from the perspective of a shepherd. And so he dissected Psalm chapter number 23, and he mentioned something very in- interesting about this, uh, this verse and this, the fact that he restores our soul. He said, now we all know this because we've heard it preached a thousand times, that sheep are not the smartest animals in the world, right? right? You've heard it said sheep are dumb and, and sheep do stupid things. You know, I, I showed you one time I was talking about sheep and I showed you a video that I saw on social media that uh, a, a sheep got rescued from this massive ditch uh, in Turkey. And, uh, and so he rescued him and, and this guy pulled out the sheep out of this ditch that he couldn't get out of. And then he goes taking off running and then he jumps right back in the same ditch. Many of you have seen that uh, before on social media. You see, sheep are not 
not the smartest animals to have ever lived. Well, one thing about sheep that Philip Keller says is very common with sheep is that sometimes sheep will fall over onto their back and they can't roll themselves over very well. He says he can't tell you the number of times that a sheep in his herd would be out in the field and he'd, roll, he'd fallen over and he can't roll himself back up sometimes to turn around. And so when he finds himself on his back, he needs some assistance to kind of roll over. It's like when you find a, a bug, like a beetle or something, and they're on their back, you know, and they're just kind of, they can't get up. They can't. You know, they can't get up by themselves. And what Philip says about sheep is a lot of times if they roll over, and they find themselves on their backside, they can't get over and back up on their own. So they need the shepherd to come alongside of them and help them to turn back over. He says that's what he believes that this verse is talking about. When it says that the shepherd restores our soul, he's saying that once we fall down, and by the way, how many of you fall down from time to time? Let's be real and honest. We all do. There's not a person in here that falls down. Okay, And a lot of us, we fall into sin, and we struggle, and we make mistakes, and we struggle, and we sin, and sin, and sin. And a lot of times, it's as if you are standing there sinning in your own sin, and you can't get back up and keep going. And David says that the shepherd comes in, and he restores you. He flips you over, and he helps you move forward in your relationship with him. Some of you today, I don't know where you're at, some of you need restoring some of you are right there right now. You are deep in your sin, and maybe nobody in this room knows about it, but you are as, as if a sheep is laying upside down and cannot get out of it. And you might even wonder and question, hey, what is the way out of the sin that I'm committing right now? It could be alcohol abuse. It could be drugs. It could be sex. It could be pride. It could be anything in your life, and you are upside down in it, and you don't know how to get out. I would suggest to you today that David said that the shepherd would love to come in and restore your soul back to him today. You see, that's the beauty of a, of a shepherd. He restores our soul. Then it says he leads us in the paths of righteousness. In other words, as he's restoring our, our soul, that David says that the presence of our Savior, he guides us to righteousness. So after he lifts up the sheep and helps them to keep going, he actually is the one who leads them and guides them in the paths of righteousness. In other words, if you need restoring today and you say, Pastor, I am in sin today. Nobody knows about it but me, maybe. And I am deep in my sin here today, and I need restoring. That the res restoration that our shepherd provides for us is he comes in, he restores your soul, but he doesn't just leave you there to figure it out on your own. Aren't you thankful for that? No, in fact, as he lifts you up and restores your soul and completely forgives your soul, he also wants to lead you in the paths of righteousness. He wants to teach you how to live for him. You see, the shepherd, he fills our soul. He restores our, our soul. Then in verse 4, we find that the shepherd comforts our soul. The shepherd comforts our soul. This psalm is honestly one of the most comforting psalms there is. That's why it's read at, at celebration of life services most of the time is because this psalm provides comfort to us. It provides encouragement to us. And here in verse number 4, we find that the shepherd, a relationship with the shepherd, he comforts 
our soul. You find in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see, valleys are those rough moments of life where everything that is bad is surrounding you. How many of you have been in a valley before? Raise your hand, okay? You're in a valley, and, and we know what that's like when you're, when you're in a valley and, and it seems like no way out, right? That you just can't get out. Uh, that the bad news keeps on coming, you know what I'm talking about? Where it's just one thing after another, it's just bad, 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 bad. And what that is, is he's saying that is a valley-type experience. David had been there. David wrote this in the midst of a valley, in the midst of a valley, understanding that there's no way out, that I can't get out. I don't even know the way forward, and that the enemy and the valley is surrounding where everywhere you look, There is just a mountain for you to have to climb to get out of it. And he's saying this, that in the midst of those valleys, we do not have to fear. We don't have to fear. In other words, I don't fear when bad things come into my life. You say, how in the world can we do that? We live in a fearful society, right? Everybody, everywhere you turn around, it's fear, 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 fear. That's what, that's what we are always faced with, fear. How do you go through life without being fearful? It's not looking in, from the valley at the mountains that surround us and say, well, I don't have to fear because I know good days are coming. I, I don't have to, to look at the mountains around me and say, I don't have to fear because just around the corner, something good's going to happen in my life. That's not what David's saying. So I don't want to suggest to you today that if you're in a valley here this morning that you don't have to fear because, you know, there's a good day coming and and just, hey, something good's going to happen in your life in the next few weeks. I pray that it does, but I can't guarantee that. And David understood that. And so the psalmist, he doesn't say, hey, listen, we don't fear because a good day's coming right around the corner. He says we don't fear because the presence of the shepherd is with us. You see, I don't, if you're in a valley here today, don't be looking around for the way out to say, hey, when I get out of the valley, then I don't have to fear. Or don't say, man, I don't, I don't have to fear because I know good things are going to happen. I mean, how many bad things can happen to me at one time, right? So eventually something good. No, 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 I pray it does. But let me tell you this. You don't have to fear in the middle of the valley because the presence of the shepherd is right there beside you. You see, that's the comfort that he provides us. God is with us. That's the most comforting thing that I could ever share with you today, that God is with us. He is with you. The shepherd walks with you. His presence is what comforts us. It's it's not your circumstances that provide comfort. It's the presence of the Savior. It's the presence of the shepherd that provides the comfort that our soul is looking for. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. You see, the rod and the staff, that's the weapon that the shepherd uses to protect and to direct his sheep. And when you think about the rod and the staff, David did not have to fear because the enemy can't touch him. That doesn't mean that bad things can't happen into his life because David, he experienced bad things. But at the end of the day, 
He knew that the only way the enemy could touch him or come to him was they had to go through the shepherd first. Let me tell you this, that you're in, if you're in a valley here today, you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear. You say, why? Because you have the presence of the creator. You have the presence of your shepherd. He's walking with you. In the middle of your valley, he is there. In the middle of you being surrounded by your enemy, he is there. And his rod and staff are protecting you. The shepherd comforts us. The shepherd restores us. The shepherd fills us. And then the shepherd gives peace to our soul. In verse 5, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Think about that phrase, thou preparest a table before me. The table signified peace, right? The table is, is peaceful. When you've had a bad day at work, I don't know about you, but I just want to sit and I want to enjoy the fellowship of the people that I love at the table in the evening. You see, it, pro- it provided peace for our soul because we eat and we fellowship with those that we, that we love. And so David is saying this, that in the presence of his enemies, okay, in the midst of his enemies surrounding him, that in the middle of that, God, the shepherd, provides a table for him to sit at and eat at. Think about that. Think about that. In the middle of his enemies, he doesn't say that the the shepherd will provide a way out or the shepherd's going to give you blessing, whatever. Those are all a part of our life. But he says this, in the middle of my enemies, when I'm surrounded by the enemies and that's all that I can see, hey, I got good news for you. In the middle of all of that, the shepherd provides a table for him to feast at, signifying that he can sit down, relax, and eat and fellowship with the shepherd in the midst of being surrounded by his enemies. Now, I don't know about you, but when we face enemies, we usually want to fight them ourselves or we want to run from them, right? We want to run from them. I'm a little bit of a mixture of both of these, okay? I think I can do it on my own for a certain exp- time, and then I want to run from them, right? I can remember as a kid, I was that kid in elementary school. I wasn't big at all. I was a skinny, skinny kid. And, uh, and so a lot of times when I would be out on the playground or we'd be playing sports and stuff and things would get heated or whatever, I would always be the one who kind of pushed and like initiated something, and then I'm out of there. I leave the gym, right? I'm running. Because I knew that if this gets intense, man, I am going to get destroyed in a fight. I can remember I had buddies around me who were bigger than I was when I was young, and I I knew I was scrawny, but I could run my mouth with the best of them. That's why I became a pastor, by the way. And, um, And I could run my mouth like crazy, and I'd always run my mouth, and I'd eventually get myself in trouble. And I had guys around me who they knew, man, if Josh gets himself in trouble, he's going to get destroyed in a fight, and so we better come in and help while we watch him run away because that's just how it works. You see, a lot of times when we face enemies, and I know that's kind of a joke, like physical enemies, but if you think about life and you face enemies, a lot of us want to take them on ourselves. We want to jump in there. We want to handle the fight ourselves, or we want to just get out of there. We want to run from it. We want to stay away from it. And David is saying that in the midst of our enemies, I got good news for you, you can rest in the midst of your enemies, and you can sit down and dine with the shepherd because he prepares a table for you in the midst of our enemies. But not only that, he anoints our head with oil. 
Now, oil in Scripture represents the Holy Spirit. And he says this, that even in the presence of my enemies and even in the valley, he grants us the peace and the joy that our soul needs in life. And here's the good news. It's overflowing. You see, he says, David says that the shepherd, a relationship with the shepherd is that when you have a relationship with the shepherd, that when you're surrounded by the enemy, he prepares a table for you, and then he also anoints your head with oil, so much to the point he gives you doses of grace and doses of mercy and doses of joy and doses of peace, so much to the point that in the midst of your valley, in the midst of your enemy, that it overflows. It overflows. It's not just enough for you. It's more than enough for you. It's overflowing to give you the option to be able to to bless somebody else. You see, he gives your soul peace. Not only peace here in, in this verse, but we see peace beside the still waters and the green pastures. He fills us. He gives us the peace that, that we need but I know if you're like me, we think that, that the presence of a Savior should, should kind of take us from all of the storms that we experience, right? I, I know that's how I am sometimes, that when I exper- experience a valley or I experience a storm, a lot of times I look at it as, man, I must have done something wrong because if God really loved me, he's not going to allow this to happen to me. And don't look at me like you don't think that way as well. I have people in my office all the time questioning, like, why in the world is this happening to me? Why is this valley happening? Why is, why is the enemy surrounding me? And, and, and we look at this and we wonder because a lot of times we think protection and the peace of God is taking us out of the valley and placing us onto the mountain. And it's taking us away from the enemy and keeping us from the enemy. But I want you to know that that's not always the way that God's peace works. Sometimes the peace of God or the peace that God brings into your life is not always the calming of the storm. Sometimes it is his sustaining presence with you during the storm. You have to understand that when God provides peace for your soul, it doesn't always mean that he's going to remove you from the storm. Sometimes he's going to teach you something, and he's going to show you that all you need in the middle of the storm is him. Anytime there's a bad storm at our house, at night specifically, my kids always come to our room. Any of you parents have that happen in your life? Raise your hand if that's you, okay? A few of you say, hey, when there's a terrible storm outside and lightning's going nuts at night, my kids always come to our door and and they have like a sleeping bag or a blanket or something, and they want to come to our room. Okay? And it never fails that a lot of times, we always will tell them probably the first time, it's like, hey, the storm's going to stop here in a minute. Go back to bed. You'll fall asleep in the middle of it, and everything will be fine. So they'll leave. They'll go back to their beds. Light, the next big lightning or thunder that strikes outside, both of them are back into our room like, hey, can we sleep in your room tonight? And we'll say, sure, let's make you a bed on the floor or whatever. And they'll lay there. And then it never fails. The storm's still going, but within minutes, they are sound asleep in our room. You know what amazes me about that is I'm thinking as I'm laying in bed trying to go to sleep that the storm has not stopped. The storm's still going. The thunder is still roaring. The lightning is still as bright. The rain and the wind, everything about it, it is still there. 
It, my kids, they, it's not that I was able to say, okay, that storm ceased, and now they can sleep in the middle of the storm. No, they just wanted to be in the presence of mom and dad in the middle of the storm, and that's all that they needed. Well, what David is saying here is exactly that. He says, as you go through the valleys of life and the storms of life when the enemy is surrounding you, he says, listen, you can rest because I provide peace, not from the storm, but I provide my presence, which gives you the peace to walk right through the storm and to rest during the storm. You see, he provides peace for your soul. Not only that, he blesses our soul, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David says that he cannot get away from the goodness and mercy of God. I love that song, The Goodness of God, that we sing. We sing about it quite regularly here. And uh, we sing about that song. And I love that, that phrase where it says, His goodness is running after us. It's chasing after you. And think about this. Goodness and mercy is following me. You should be following God, yes, but let me remind you this, that his goodness and his mercy is actually following you and surrounding you. And I bet if we were to go around the room, we don't have the time today, but if we were to walk around the room and pass a microphone in here, and don't get nervous. Some of you introverts are like, oh my goodness, am I in a church like that? I'm nervous or whatever. If we were to do that, I want you to know this, that you shouldn't, you won't have to look far enough to see God's goodness and his mercy. It doesn't mean things have been easy in your life, but he has still been good to you. He has still been merciful to you. He has still been good to all of us. And let me tell you this, the shepherd blesses our soul. His goodness and mercy is chasing us. And then lastly, the shepherd walks with our souls. The last, last phrase of this, or the last stanza of, verse, of chapter 23, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. So David, in the midst of running for his life, in the midst of, uh, of worrying about Saul killing him in the midst of all these things that David experienced he says here's the good news is that I have fellowship with the shepherd he says in the middle of my valley I can dwell in the house of the Lord. The word dwell, it just means that we get to live there. Whether I'm in green pastures, still waters, valley, or in the presence of my enemies, let me remind you today, and I want to encourage and I want this to comfort you. Whatever state you are in today, still waters, green pastures, valley, or the presence of your enemies, the shepherd is there. The shepherd is with you. The shepherd is walking with you. You. I love that song. It's an old song. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. You see, David is saying that it doesn't matter what his life is experiencing. He has fellowship with the shepherd. That word fellowship, we have a relationship with the shepherd. And in that relationship with the shepherd, we have all that we ever need. So much to the point that we lack absolutely nothing in our relationship with the shepherd. Think about that, that word fellowship. 
that word fellowship. You know, we, we love, you know, that, that word. We love to fellowship. And, and don't you love those people in your life that kind of stick with you no matter what? You know what I'm talking about? You know those ones that it doesn't matter if it's a good day or a bad day, they're the ones who reach out to you, right? They're the ones who encourage you. They're the ones who listen to you. They're the ones who's walked with you through the good and the bad, and you have just experienced fellowship with them. You've experienced a relationship with them. I can think in my life, uh, I have a few friends who, who are that to me, that regardless of if it's good or bad, they're the ones who are going to be there. But I think my dad is probably one, as much as anybody other than my wife, that I think about more than anything when I think about this relationship. My dad and I, we talk like every single day. I also talk to my mom. If you talk to my wife, she would say, I'm a mama's boy. But I'll tell you this, me and my dad, we always are, are communicating. And when something bad happens, he is always the first person that I reach out to outside of my own family. I always reach out to him first and, and, and talk to him. But when things are good right? We're still talking, we're texting, we're having that, that relationship, and he's always there. And here's what's amazing to me about that relationship. It doesn't matter if it's good, bad, busy, or whatever. He's there. He's there. Every one of you have somebody that comes to mind when you think about that type of relationship. Good, bad, whatever. They're there, and that means something to you. Well, David's saying that even greater than my dad we have a shepherd who is with us providing peace, providing comfort, providing fullness, providing all of those things, everything that you need in life. He is, and he's provided for you. So I don't know where you are at today. I, I don't know everybody's story in this room. I wish I had time to talk to every single one of you about where you're at today. Some of you are in the valley right now. And, I, I mean, you might not see a way out. You might not see an answer. And you might not have any idea how. And the mountains around you, as you look around the valley, are too high. And you think, there is no way getting out of this. I want to remind you that he is there. And that should bring comfort to your soul. Some of you are, are by the still waters right now. And the green pastures. And life's good. In the good times, don't forget that he is there. Sometimes when things are good, we forget about him. And then when things get bad, we run back to him. That's kind of how our society is. Don't forget, if you're in the green pasture experience, enjoy it. Thank God for it. If you're walking by the still waters, thank God for that. But don't forget that he is there. Some of you are in the presence of your enemies right now. You're in the pre don't look to your spouse next to you, by the way, okay? Some of you are in the presence of your enemies. That you're like, man, I can't, I can't run away from this. I can't get away from it. It doesn't mean that it's a person. It could mean an obstacle. It could mean a boundary in your life. And you say, Pastor, I have no way out. And I'm just constantly surrounded by my enemy. And regardless of whatever situation that you are in, some of you are in here today, and because of your situation, you've been left anxious, depressed, angry, fearful, or lonely. And you think that if you can just fix something in your life, or if you could just change something in your life, 
If you could just get a new job or a new relationship or a new friend or a new home or, or more money or a bigger promotion or a new job or whatever, and you think, if I could just change something or if I could just fix something in my life, everything will be better. And I want you to know that everything you are looking for is found in a relationship with this shepherd. It's not found in a better job. It's not found in more money. It's not found in fame. It's not found in popularity. It's not found in a new relationship. It's not found in any of those things. Stop looking there for everything your soul's looking for and start recognizing that everything we need is found in a relationship with the shepherd. You can live, and this is what's amazing to me, you can live a life where you lack nothing, you fear nothing, and you are overcome with blessings. You can live a life where you lack nothing, fear nothing, and are overcome with blessing in your life, so much that the blessing is overflowing in your life. Everybody in here would say, man, sign me up for that. That's what I want. I want to live a life where I lack nothing. Man, a life where I fear nothing, and I wake up each and every day, and I fear absolutely nothing. Man, sign me up. A life of blessing? Of course. Hey, put my name down. I'm ready for it. Say, where do I go? How do I find it? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You see, everything you're looking for is found in the shepherd. So to answer the original question, is Jesus enough? Is a relationship with the shepherd enough? The answer is an emphatic yes. In fact, he's more than enough, and he is all that we need. And with him, our cup overflows. Would you bow your heads with me? Nobody looking around. I just want to ask you a couple of questions, and this is a time of response. It's a time of invitation, and nobody's looking around. Don't be distracting to the people around you, but you say, Pastor, today I'm in a valley, or, or maybe you're surrounded by your enemies, and you say, I'm in a valley right now, and, and I don't know the way out. And I just want you to be honest before God, but also before me here today so I know exactly who I'm praying for. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm in a valley here today. Would you slip up your hand? Okay, thank you. I see that. Hand's going up everywhere. Anybody else? Say, I'm in a valley here today. I see it. Thank you. I see that. Hands going up everywhere. Thank you. I see those hands. You say, I'm in a valley and I, I can't get out. There's no way out. And everywhere I look, the mountain gets steeper and steeper to climb my way. Listen, the shepherd, the shepherd provides everything that you need to where right there in the middle of your valley, you can have peace. You can dine at his table and he gives your heart peace, your soul peace here today. My prayer for you today is that you can find peace. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. Everybody at this time, let's go ahead and stand, in fact. And I want to pray for you. And as the music continues to play, I want you to come. If you raised your hand and said, I'm in a valley here today, I want you to know you can find relief. You can find peace. You can find comfort, all those things in the shepherd. Father, bless in this invitation time. God, I think about everybody that raised their hands. Dozens and dozens of people in this room said, I'm in a valley here today. God, I want them to know that in you, 
in a relationship with the shepherd, we have everything that we need. Bless in this invitation time, Father, for it's in your name we pray. If God spoke to you, maybe you raised your hand and said, I'm in a valley. The altar is open. Come and, and, and tell him and, and recognize that he is all that you, you need.